0: This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Jen Creighton thinks your children should do more work. React's component children, to be clear, though, if you have children, I'm sure you'd be delighted if they did more work. This week, Jen talks with me about component architecture, composition from the perspective of a writer, mastering interpersonal communication, and feeling your feelings. Many of my favorite topics, and those I believe to be the hallmarks of great React developers. Jen is brilliant, and you're going to love her takes. This episode is sponsored by AWS Amplify and Infinite Red. AWS Amplify is the fastest, easiest way to develop web and mobile apps that scale. I bet you already use AWS for something today. So you already know that AWS has an effectively unlimited combination of services. What you might not know is that they also have tools that compose just the services you need to make modern full stack development easy. The tool we'll talk about today is Amplify. AWS Amplify takes the power and scale of AWS and tailors it to your needs as a cloud-based web and mobile app developer. Use it to spin up hosting, storage, authentication, manage GraphQL or REST APIs, serverless functions and so much more. You can start using AWS for free with their generous free tier. And as your business scales, you only pay for additional services you use. It's pretty great. Visit awsamplify.info slash react to find a quick tutorial for react developers like us. That's awsamplify.info slash react. Infinite Red is your go to resource as a react and react native developer. They know these frameworks inside and out. Whether your company is Fortune 500 or fighting fortune for an open co working desk, Infinite Red can help you design, build, and ship quality apps. They've been doing it for over 10 years, and listeners of this show absolutely love having them as a friendly, expert resource. Infinite Red will give you $750 when you start or refer a new project. Get expert React and React Native help at reactpodcast.infinite.red. That's reactpodcast.infinite.red. Jen Creighton, welcome to React Podcast.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. Very excited
0: to be here. I'm super excited to have you on the show. It's been, you know, I think I wanted to have you on React podcast ever since, uh, I think it was almost exactly a year ago at React, uh, at React Conf in Nevada, mm-hmm. where you gave your React as Fiction talk, which was just just amazing. I feel like I was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I've ever like identified with a talk as much as this talk and like felt so represented by the way that you were talking about react code and I was glad that it was you and not me because I knew that people were going to be like you're doing it wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I I had I had that fear when I did that talk. I was like, "Oh god." And if you've never seen the talk, I do I do this thing where I make a little switch in it where if you don't know that that's coming, you either think that like I'm an idiot or you're like <laughs> Yeah, that's the way to do it. So it's like either way, you're like thinking something, and then I just like switch it on you very quickly. And I did have people message me that were like, we were so afraid that that's that you were serious, and I was like, it's, it, calm
0: down. Wait, w- wait, what was that switch? Could you tell? Ta- could you describe it to me a little bit?
1: It's the I start off by building out like a really common like piece of UI, which is a navigation uh, yes. component. And I go through, like, just a really common mistake that people make where they try and make it as reusable as possible. And then the yeah. switch is really me telling you, like, we did a bad thing here. Like, this yes. wasn't a good idea at all. Um. So, yeah, that that's the switch.
0: You know, I find those talks extremely brave. Like one of my favorite speakers is Sandy Metz and she talks a lot about composition. And one of the things that, one of the tactics she uses is exactly what you're talking about. And this is in her her, her book and in her talks where she does it the way that you expect it to be done. Yeah. And then she's like, but this is bad. And let me show you why, because this happens. And then you're like, oh shit, that does happen. You're right. Like, Mm -hmm. and then it's, I love watching that stuff play out. It's so much more engaging like, I think a talk format to do it wrong and then be like, oh, but there's an oopsie here, an asterisk.
1: It's so much more effective than just being told that's not the way that you should do it, which I think is just like very common in software engineering. Like someone just walks over to you and says, that's not how you do it. Change it to this and it's better. (laughs) And then they just walk away. You're like, I have questions. Why? What? How? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: it is interesting, and that goes to one of those things that I think that I hope that we'll talk about today. But that notion of show don't tell, which yeah. is something that like people hear a lot, or like you know say in computer science, but I think that you actually have an answer for like what that actually means and how it maps to React really well. Um, but before we get into that, for anyone who's not familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing these days, kind of what your role and your your work, and like what gets you excited about React.
1: Yeah, so I am a senior staff open source engineer at Apollo GraphQL. Uh, that is officially our name. Now we changed it from the Meteor Group. We're now Apollo GraphQL. Um, I work nice. specifically on Apollo Client. I joined that team. Oh, sorry, the pandemic really hurt my brain and time is weird. <laughs> uh, April of 2020. Um, okay. And before that... in was, the
0: Deep in the pandemic, like we were already... Y- you joined during the thing. And so it's kind of like no time has passed.
1: I left my job. I literally gave notice and my job was like, Well, the pandemic's hitting New York. We're shutting down the office. You can return your oh, laptop. Gosh. Never. I still have that laptop. <laughs> I haven't returned it. I have no ability to do it. I can't get my stuff from the old office. I just anyway.
0: Oh man.
1: So yeah. And also I was supposed to start at Apollo later. I was gonna take some time off to travel. And uh, speak at a couple conferences. Um, so that changed.
0: Like, Well, I guess I'm just free to start now then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, I, I basically I just wrote them and was like, hey, I'm going to get real bored if I don't have a job and this seems like a bad idea. So I'm going to start in two weeks. Sound good? And they were like, yes, that actually works so well for us. Please come aboard now. So it was pretty good. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that that is a project that a lot of people would be familiar with. Um, I, what does it look like, kind of like on a day to day basis, working on the team that manages, um, you know, Apollo, GraphQL, all of those cool things that we like to use.
1: Working in open source is such a dream job for me. So I <laughs> wanted to do the. I wanted to work in open source for a long time, but it's very hard to get a paid gig in open source. Yeah. And I was actually moving in my career towards this um, front-end architecture role, which is what I was doing before I joined Apollo GraphQL, because my specialty is uh, crafting co- like front-end code bases. Like That's my specialty. I've been working with React for a long, long time. Um, I don't even remember. I think it's five, five, six years, something like that now. Nice. I've been working with it for a very long time. It's definitely my framework of choice, and I love it. So to be able to work on... You know, a project that's not React, but is very React adjacent. Like, if you use React mm-hmm. and you use GraphQL, you likely use Apollo Client. is really a joy to, like, have that be part of my day-to-day work. And right now, the project that I s- started on when I joined is a complete reworking of the Apollo Client dev tools. Oh, nice. Um, they haven't gotten in love in forever so I got to do my favorite thing in the world which is refactor an entire code base.
0: Oh sweet. <laughs> and
1: I'm I'm just like I'm in heaven. Like some days I I want to work on something else, but most of the time <laughs> I'm like this is my jam. This is what I do. So pleased.
0: Okay, now there's refactoring a code base, but then there's also I mean like you said dev tools, so I'm assuming mm-hmm. like these are like chrome yeah. like extension type of things. That is Maybe the most painful work I've ever done in my entire <laughs> career.
1: You mean just dealing with the Chrome? Yes, and the, uh, just the browser, the world of the browser.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. All the like dev APIs are just a mess.
1: Oh, they are horrendous,
0: <laughs> truly. So, like, what, like, d- did your favorite thing kind of like outweigh like the worst possible web development pro- like <laughs> platform you could possibly imagine? You
1: know, not as much. I definitely I yelled a lot. I yelled a lot because for anyone who's never built something using the browser APIs what you quickly find out is one the documentation is really bad and incorrect yeah. so you just can't really <laughs> rely on it yeah um you have to find like other people's projects and kind of figure out what they were doing <sighs> and what your own project yeah. was doing you find out that all of the environments are sandboxed. So what you end up having to do is you have your browser talk to this thing, which talks to that thing, which will talk to your page, and then you will go back the way you came to the browser. <laughs> yeah. And...
0: Gotta leave some breadcrumbs so you can find your way back.
1: Yes. Like, <laughs> it's... it's mm. So it's not, it's not like fun in that regard. You find all these like things that... Normally you could like if you didn't have this you could write some really beautiful like code yeah for how these work together but you're working in a really kind of antiquated system and it's a lot <laughs> of it's for security reasons Sure sure. So you kind of are like okay I'm I'm going to It's like
0: understandable but like also you're still pissed.
1: Yeah, you're still kind of mad. On the other hand, it's a really interesting problem to solve and when I started working on the Apollo client dev tools What I noticed immediately about working in the code base is it's just really difficult to figure out where things are going and where things are coming from because of this structure. So my first challenge was, well, how do I make it just easier to work in this code base? Mm. And so I came up with a system that talks to each other as, like, a relay system. Cool. Which is funny because Apollo Client and Relay <laughs> and Facebook. and yeah, like, we don't
0: use that word here. Uh, You're going to have to come up with another word for the system that you made <laughs>
1: I didn't, by the way. I call it Relay. Uh, <laughs> which, like, I don't know. I have no ill feelings towards Relay. I really don't. But yeah, um, yeah. it was what the system was doing. It's a relay of, like, passing information on. So, I don't know. It was kind of fun to build out and see and also to put in my... Like, pull request. This is not the relay that you think it is. It is a different one.
0: So, yeah. I, I think I might have just gone for it. Like, add relay to <laughs> Apollo. No explanation. I guess you got to read the pull request if you want to see what it does.
1: That w- I, it would have been really funny, but I I didn't want anyone thinking I was doing it to troll them. I promise I'm not. I just want to call things what they are.
0: <laughs> well, this is um, this is fun. I want to kind of go back just a little bit or relay back to uh, <laughs> something that you had just mentioned, um, which was your work doing um, architecture. And I yeah. feel like that's going to be maybe the, the core of what we talk about today is mm-hmm. um, composition in React, architecture, all that kind of stuff. Because I think a lot of people don't necessarily know like what makes React components good or why. And I feel like a lot of people also don't understand like what, like why we would have someone who like considers themselves an architect versus like someone who just writes code. And like, there's a lot of kind of like questions around this and I would love to tease out kind of like what an architect does, but then also like tied to react and how we write react code because i feel like i i end up doing a lot of the same kind of work like react architectural work like working with teams to make sure that their stuff is composable works well together plays well with others and isn't going to hurt them in like three months when they inevitably have to add more stuff to it so i'm I'm curious how do you see the role of architecture in a front-end code base
1: i've always thought about it as um you are responsible for the health of the code base. And that goes into that point that you just said about making sure that things play well with others, making sure (laughs) that things are going to be okay to be changed in three months. Not everyone has had uh, the benefit that I have of seeing multiple React code bases and sort of what happened to them over an amount of time. And you can see how you can get yourself into like, further and further holes and you just can't get yourself out of them without investing a lot of time. There is no company that I've ever worked at that was like, "Sure, you take that extra time. <laughs> we don't need to get this to market at any point." Um that is is usually very unreasonable. Um <laughs> unless you get into a system where you just literally like you can't make a move anymore. Um but it's normally less like you can't make a move anymore, and it's like the health of the code base has degraded to a point where making a move is just really difficult. It takes a lot more time to integrate changes. Um, so a lot of architecture is about that, um, making sure that the ultimate health of the code base stays up to a point, and also that it's a code base that people want to work in.
0: Is that something people are trying to avoid tickets on? They're like, oh, yeah, like, I mean, I should probably do that because that seems like a high priority for the company. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is also on there. And like, I could work in a code base that doesn't suck.
1: Yes. 100%. 100%. I have worked in, oh, God, some really bad ones. Some really bad ones where I just was like, I can't. I can't work with this. You can't do this to me. I have to go. This is bad. Um just makes like everything like so so much harder so so much
0: more hard yeah so it sounds it sounds like a lot of times it's like your, your role is to kind of like it, and this is such a hard thing right because it, it touches on this really hard thing to um I guess make concrete which is like time now versus time later yes and I'm curious how you like because I think this is kind of the challenge of the architecture role is like how do you actually communicate those things to people who like don't actually care about the code right like business doesn't care like they just like i want this thing done as fast as possible mm-hmm. and sometimes and most times like the direct path is as fast as possible but there's also that like kind of concept of technical debt right it's yeah. like oh yeah yeah we can get there fast today but we're taking out like a let's call it like a, a five-week loan like, against, like, being able to work on this thing in the future. Um, how do you, like, communicate that or, like, think about it or even evaluate it? It's, like, a very elusive thing.
1: It's very hard to evaluate it, and it's so dependent on so many different factors, right? It's really, like, what does your code base currently look like and what, what actually needs to take, like, what are the steps that you need to take to get this thing done? I always try and find... The the way I say this in my React is Fiction talk, and it's 100% true, your first draft is going to be pretty terrible, and your second draft probably <laughs> isn't going to be the right one. And you are always going to be rewriting components. So it's not about getting things right the first time. It's about how do you build in as much flexibility as possible for later down the road, <laughs> And that's that was like a big part of my role as an architect was looking at things and doing this like um, analysis of like, well, if we do this to make it a bit more flexible, how much time is that going to take right now <laughs> versus what I know is going to happen to this component maybe later? Uh, and sometimes it was honestly about like stepping back and being like, okay, you want to build the component that way? You do that. I'll see you in a few months. <laughs> you do that. You got to learn somehow.
0: Yeah. It's, it's almost about like planting those seeds and be like planting the questions and then be <laughs> being able to like kind of hearken back to them, yeah. you know, in three months and be like, oh, yeah, that's funny. I, if only someone could have predicted that maybe it would turn out this <laughs> way.
1: It's like we were talking about like earlier, um, like if, if like, oh, God, I've lost my train of thought. But Oh, like there's a difference between telling someone, like telling someone that something's going to go wrong. Yes. And letting them experience what it means to have it go wrong. And sometimes you need to do that and you need to cue it up with like a little bit of foreshadowing of like, hey, I am. You want to build it this way? You do it. You do it. And maybe I'm wrong in the end, but I've seen how this ends up going. We'll see how it goes. You do your thing, you know? Like this happens all the time with like things that you just like and I did it I did it as like a younger engineer too where someone like I would build something and someone would be like mm, you should have done it x way and I'd be like I don't get it. I don't get it. Why are you saying this? You're <laughs> overcomplicating uh, things. Yeah. You're so you're really overcomplicating the thing.
0: It could be so easy. Look, it's so easy here, but
1: <laughs> And they were right cuz like later down the road it like yeah. It, this happens by the, like okay, so my favorite example of this is tooltips.
0: Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you have a you have a great talk where that you open with this example.
1: Yeah, or you just you add a tooltip to something and voila. <laughs> um tooltips are like deceptively like simple. Yeah. So the first time you ever build one in a code base, normally what you're building is one tooltip that's gonna show one way and that's it. Like you just hover on something, you get a little tooltip, it's always in the same place, <laughs> right? The the content's really small. <laughs> And then what happens is that tooltip lives in that code base. other people need it for other things, and they start to layer on complexities. Actually, it's supposed to render on top now. Okay, so let's do a thing that it will render on top. Oh, but it needs to actually go on the side now. Oh, but remember that when it's on the side, if we're on mobile, it's going to go off the side. So actually, we need to calculate. And it just becomes a nightmare. I worked in a code base that had legitimately three different tooltips for three different Use cases of someone having to like, like jerry rig this thing to like do what they needed.
0: Sure, you have like the simple tooltip, which is just like, oh my gosh, I just need a tooltip, and then you have the 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 ones that are progressively more complicated. Yes. For those, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I like I don't want to have to opt into the more complicated one because that's going to be a disaster. But like, I mean, if I have to, then I guess <laughs> we have yeah. to. So like,
1: everyone always start tiny little tooltip, and I'm like, just wait just wait for that tooltip. It's going to, it's going to like go real crazy.
0: Well, I think that that's a really interesting um, analogy for the type of work that we're describing, which is so often you really are kind of reaching back for like, what is the simplest that this thing could possibly be? And like, right now it's like your, your, your whole focus is in this world of this one component. And so like, you're trying to add all the complexity and all the cool stuff or whatever, but like, I know that as soon as someone else is going to, like, look at this, <laughs> um, it's, the, like, they're not going to understand it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do the thing that they need to do. And then when they add theirs to your imaginary, like, needs, like, now it's, like, now now we're just chasing ghosts. Like, this yeah. thing is impossible to work with. And, like, a lot of times it is just being like, hey, uh, do we actually need that? And can we do without it, And without, you know, hurting your self-esteem that you made something that was trivial?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. So much... of. Uh- Engineering is about our own self-esteems and the, the pain we feel when someone touches our components.
0: <laughs> now, you you talk about this uh, show don't tell thing a lot, and I'd love to. I think it'd be a great time to dive into that now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we have a couple analogies built up built up. But how do you describe to people the actual reality of show don't tell? Because we hear it a lot. It's one of those things that is just kind of like this platitude that's like floating around in our head and i feel like it's once it's in that space you could make it mean whatever you want and just kind of like oh no i'm doing like show don't tell and like try to convince yourself <laughs> that you are <laughs> but like what does that mean in 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 reality like kind of from its origins of writing and all that
1: yeah so it's a, a really well-known saying in writing communities um, that basically you don't want to just tell your reader what is happening. You want to use more descriptive language to give them a sense of what's happening and let their brain sort of fill in the gaps. Um, so if you're like, I walked out the door, it was rainy, right? That's, that's just like telling someone like, you know, whatever, whatever, Happened to you right it's it's not very descriptive okay you know that you went out the door you know that it was rainy but it doesn't tell you anything about what mood that person was in whether they liked the rain or not um the environment around that you know Hmm. you could describe the scene so much like differently of like i like walked out my door and i felt like the rain was coming down on me and i just felt so I don't even know how to do it like right like now because it takes time to actually sit down and like describe a scene. Sure. But you're, you're, you're adding in like the actual layers of what the scene would look like, you know. There's a way of like talking about like how you like step, how you trudge or how your body has weight or how you go outside and you feel the rain on you and you feel like your body lighten up. That's such a different way of talking about it.
0: Interesting, yeah. Because you're in in the first scenario, you're just kind of talking about like you're you're saying like what happened, right? And that's really the only question that you're answering. But like Mm -hmm. the like the the why and the how and like all of those like points of interest like the motivation for like like why why am I going outside all of those things like what's actually encouraging you did you want to actually just be in the rain or do you resent having to go out into the rain to get your mail which you're expecting some kind of like package or letter or whatever right? yeah like, yeah
1: there's like m- multiple layers I'm doing a terrible job of being a writer right now but like yes
0: <laughs> I mean you're 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 on the spot so that's that's never a good good I'm <laughs> like a writer. describe the scene
1: <sighs> Uh, I mean... (laughs) Let me get
0: back to you in two hours.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, give me some time to write it down and I will have something beautiful for you, but for now. And, you know, that's actually very true of what it's like when you apply this to components because the first time you probably write something, you probably are telling more than you are showing. Hmm. Um, The reason that this really came up in terms of React was because you hear constantly, React is declarative. React is declarative. Yeah. And I think that people really still struggle with like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, and you sort of get told like, oh, it means that you can like write components that kind of resemble your UI in their structure. Um, you know, that you can have the header and the body and, the, but they're actual components. But like most of the time, we're still really relying on on telling. We're relying on, mm. and that's mostly, to be honest, props. Like mostly we're relying on props to tell people like what's available to them in the component instead of really thinking about how we should be breaking down our components in a completely different way and composing them together. And that is the showing the, the composition is really, how did you put those together? When I look at this file and I see all these components composed together, have you shown me what is on this page? Or do I have hmm. to go into these individual components and read through all the props that I'm sending down to get an idea of what's going on? Props are very instructional, right? They're like, do this thing. Huh. You know, whenever you're using a prop that's like is or should or something like that, like you are more often than not like telling a component to change its internal structure somehow.
0: Yeah. And you're
1: telling it. You're telling it. Um so you're not really relying on like composition at that point
0: interesting like it like like props like I'm trying to think of some like 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 show button yes. or whatever yes <laughs> like things like that where it's like you have taken a declarative API and now you're telling it what to do mm-hmm. you yeah. are like you've made an imperative do this like out of something that should be uh, declarative that's interesting so what are some of the so I don't know. I I don't know if we're jumping too fast into like kind of the actual things, but I'm, I'm, I'm insanely curious right now. Like, do you have um, smells then around that? Like, is it the, the ones that use the props that use a verb? Is it conditionals? Is it like, what are those things that, that you kind of like send up a, a flare, I guess, or like, Hey, maybe we're uh, not using composition right now.
1: Yeah, so let's first be really clear about what an anti-pattern is. It is not that you never do the thing. That is not what that means. Because I, I think that's another thing that people get very confused about. They hear anti-pattern and they think, I should never do this. No. <laughs> yeah. It just means when it's your natural instinct to reach for it, it may not be the right case. And so you need to take a little bit more time. To think it through and make sure that you're not making a really common error. Anti-patterns really are mm. very just like common things that you shouldn't rely on. But that doesn't mean you don't ever do them. Sure. But some of the stuff that... And I say this because it's gotten me in trouble on Twitter. Um, <laughs> what does it <make laughs> Yeah. Apply guys. Love it. So some of the stuff that is um, like would like ping like a red flag for me is definitely those verbiage props because they're mm. instructional. You're you're definitely telling a component to change its internal something and you're probably not relying on composition very well in that case. If else statements, sometimes, sometimes it, okay. it's kind of dependent because if it's one place in your component, maybe not, but I often have seen components where there are multiple if-else statements, sometimes mm. a switch statement. Like if you're using a switch, 100%, sure. <laughs> no, you probably should not be doing that. Um, in that <laughs> component, like you should probably be breaking things down differently. So those those can be like really common things where you're like a little, I feel a little uncomfortable with like what's going on here. Um, and then the other one that uh, we talked about previous to starting this, but was sending in a component as a prop. Okay. Which I think is super common. It's even mentioned in the React docs as like you could do this and like sure, you could. But <laughs> do you want to? <laughs> like most of the time probably not. Probably not.
0: Interesting. D- describe this to me a little bit like like what might an example like a concrete example of like passing in a component as props cuz like initially and like even like even me who like is so excited to talk with you about composition like not not even resistant to the topic at all. like I kind of feel like, oh wait, but wait a second, but wait though <laughs> but wait though, really <laughs> so tell me <laughs> build, build up a concrete example um for me of like what this might look like as like passing a component in as a prop
1: the the way that I have seen it most commonly used is when you want to reuse some UI structure that doesn't um it doesn't really take in any data. It's just kind of like your layout, basically. So using okay. it for like, oh, I have a layout with a sidebar, a header, and a main like area. And I just want to pass in different components that will get rendered in those places. Because they need to mm-hmm. be like a little bit different each time. And I'm not a fan of that. There, okay, so there's, <laughs> it's not wrong. Sure. It's not wrong. But I feel like it's going to serve you so much better to use children in that situation and to actually okay. build out your individual pages. You're kind of relying when you're doing that on something else like passing in the component for you. But there's actually really no harm in you creating separate like page components that will hold... Mm-hmm a sidebar, a header, and a main, and then putting what you actually want on that page to show like in there instead of passing in a component. Sure. Then when someone opens up the file and they look at it, they can actually see what belongs in that specific page. And I I just prefer like my engineers to be very clear about like what belongs where. And I don't really care about the fact that I've had to pull in the sidebar into three different files Sure. That doesn't really bother me. I think people do it a lot to avoid having to do that. They just were like, well, we just have our layout component and then we'll just pass in components. You could do it. It's a little unclear though for the engineer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm totally tracking with you now. I think I was thinking I was thinking about like like an as prop, you know, like where you would send you would send in a component to another component that it might like render as. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kinda of, I was kind of like thinking that that way. But I am like fully on board with you because Yeah. Those layout components are like, they drive me crazy sometimes because you can't like always like, they're like, they're like dark boxes yes. and you're just like, you, you don't know what it's supposed to do and, it, but you just have to like read the docs, put things where they're supposed to be. And like, like, it's almost like someone telling you to like, kind of like shut up and just like, trust me, <laughs> <laughs> which is like not helpful if like, if you have to do something else, right? Because yeah. you you have to start over effectively if you need to change that thing at all. Mm-hmm. Or add a bunch of new props, which I think that you have like an amazing term for this. The, uh, the, a, like a an <laughs>
1: Yes. The collapse. Best pun I've ever made. I, when I made that pun, <laughs> let me tell you how many people I told. <laughs> I, like pinged every front end engineer I know. I was like, guess what? Guess what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I think, I, I think if you made no other contributions to React, uh, I mean, this would be enough. I, I think you could hang your hat on a prop-calypse. I could have stopped uh, there.
1: Why? Why Why go on? I peaked with a prop-calypse. Why continue? Truly.
0: It's just so fun to say, too. A <laughs> prop-calypse. It just
1: makes so much sense. Oh, my God. It's true. So many components. So many props. And
0: I think it's interesting, too, because there's... My, my feeling is that a lot of this comes down to, uh, like, Trust. I guess and like do you trust the people on your team to have the same fortitude and like process to actually make something good? And a lot of times these closed components they it's like a lack of trust, right? Like I can't trust you to compose the sidebar and the la- the heading and the like main content areas together yourself, so I'm going to do it for you, take away all that control and then give you these three bespoke props That I decided were well named. (laughs)
1: Yes, I'm. I'm gonna lock it down. So this is the one way we do it. That that's true. That definitely is like part of it. Like people people try to pretend. I think in software engineering, like they don't really like. We all just kind of feel like we're little robots. We're like, I'm a little robot, and I made my component, and you can't tell me that it's bad because I'm a robot. (laughs) I'm like, no, (laughs) Uh, you're human. You have a. I think also like we don't always admit that what we do is an artistic endeavor and so we are creating Hmm. things all the time and guess what when you create things they are some sort of piece of you and you don't want people messing with them i know that feeling but this whole idea of like composition is about allowing people to mess with your stuff you have you you're Hmm. gonna have to like let that go people have to be able to mess with your stuff because the more you lock that component down in that way, the less somebody can do something else. Like, you know, you can pass in a component, but you have to pass in one component, remember, because of React. So you can't do other fun things with that sidebar. You can't change certain things. You know, you get really locked down. And it just, it's not a very pleasant experience in the end. I think we we forget how much we are coding for other people.
0: Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it, it it's interesting interesting because it it feels like you know if you're writing just for yourself like yeah you could just kind of like predict you know how you expect to use these Mm -hmm. things and whatnot but one of the things that makes software so challenging is that it is much more akin to making a movie or something that requires a lot of collaboration on like different fronts and requiring experts you know from different fields and I think you bring up such an interesting point because one of the things that I've always, um, I think my introduction into like composition and React was really just how hard it was to implement designs if the developers had gone first, Um, if they had like written all these components, because now there's all these boundaries that they think are right. But then, you know, in when it was just HTML, we would just move things around. But now those are like different files, mm-hmm. like different components. And it's like you have to like work like, kind of like, you know, pull back the brush of all these like bespoke prop APIs and like try to like relearn web development for the first time again. And as you're talking about with children, it's like you kind of go back almost to that like, hey, uh like let's try to get back to this like the the composition that we had with html before which was actually a really good kind of like playground and workspace and collaboration space um you know that worked for this like style of heavy collaboration
1: yeah i mean if you if the developer like makes the component and then you discover that the design is like that one small little tweak when you're on this page which inevitably happens. It is always like, well, always. under this one special circumstance, <laughs> we're going to show a dot not a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably really good design reasons for it. So it's like, oh, our incident, like we're not we doing reasons. it because we already built it with the circle. We're not doing it. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, this this idea of like composition, of using children and stuff, is really about Pulling out the pieces, like where they actually belong. Is it just a layout component? There is no reason to lock it down with a prop and sending in a component. I see this happen all the time with modals too because modals need to contain a lot of different uh, UI. And so we just do a thing where we pass in a component to a modal, but like you didn't need to do that. You just take the modal and you wrap it around the thing and your children, it's there. And you can do whatever you want in there. You're not you're not beholden to it. You also get all the information that you would get from like the more above parent components passed down. Sure. It's it's harder to do that if you're passing in a component as a prop. If it relies on anything inside of that sidebar or layout or modal component, you're kind of
0: screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the ownership kind of changes as you move around. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ownership is like a big topic in React that I just don't think we talk about like really a lot of like we
0: don't who owns
1: what and why. And I think it's why it trips people up on like state and props like so much. That's my theory.
0: Yes, I totally agree. The um, oh, yeah, it's for all of the things that we do talk about in React, talking about ownership is not one of them and but it is one of those things that like kind of as you go down this path that you're you're describing of like you know using children more and and bringing in components as opposed to having components that know too much and you pass things in as props you start to i feel like you start to realize that ownership model a little bit better and you kind of have to do less nonsense yeah. to <laughs> connect the data it is utter nonsense
1: oh. sometimes <laughs> That is such the most perfect word for that. Of like, you just have to do a lot of nonsense to get these things to chat and talk and do what you want. Yes.
0: Well, and it's almost like the um, you know, you're, you know, it's funny. We opened about the Dev Tools APIs right. because that is all of that nonsense, but it has a reason. Yes, but we have created those like relay like that that nonsense of these relays but for no reason in react except for the fact that we thought that this should be a component instead of just composing them together the way that we have for the last 20 years yeah
1: for no reason for no reason or for a reason that we think is a good reason I think when we learn about declarativeness what we're kind of told is something about reusability and I just we don't have a very good sense of of what that means and we just think it means making sure that we get as many changes available in one component as possible. Like this (laughs) component can be our Swiss army knife. It can do whatever we need it to do. And that way we only have the one component in the one file and we feel better about ourselves. But we don't because then we use the Swiss army knife and we want to tear our hair out. Yeah. Like it's not a good system. Anytime you're like, I need this component to do X, Y and Z and... B. I need it to also do B. (laughs) I promise you there is a better way of doing this with composition. Like you can pull things apart. You can have components that do very similar things, but just a little bit differently. And it's totally okay. It is fine. I don't know where we got into this world of like, well, if they do remotely the same thing, they have to be the same component. And then I'm going to give them a prop to tell them to do that one thing a little bit differently. No, you're setting yourself up for a world of hurt. Because you don't work in a vacuum. You work with other people. They're going to make changes. It's not, you can't lock down your components.
0: So this is, I mean, this is, I mean, we're we're in it now. Um.
1: <laughs> I, this is so cathartic for me. I haven't talked about this in a while. I've been in a pandemic bubble. And now I'm just like, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. And there are people and we have feelings.
0: And we're talking about ownership for the first time ever.
1: Ownership! Ownership! You have to think about the ownership. Whether you own the component, who owns it, what do they own, who are the parents, who are the children, who has the state, who gives permission to change the state. So much.
0: So much to think about. All these little components, all these little components. I want to talk about the, the practical effects and this is something that I can never I can never Adequately described to people, but I hear all the time this notion of like, oh well, if we just if we just do it in this one place, then we only have to change. Like you said, we, we only have to change it here, and then like it, it updates everywhere. Like everything's great. And I want to hear your, your your take on that. I want to I want to push you into that corner a little <laughs> bit more because <laughs> because if you have like a
1: rabid raccoon. You're like here, raccoon, get in the corner, get in the corner, raccoon.
0: <laughs> because um, I mean, even just. Even just hearing that as like the the like the case that we're not trying to to do, it, it raises up something in in me. So I'm, I'm curious <laughs> like how do you think about that? What are the what are the things that you see as the failing of that? How true is that statement?
1: Oh my God, how true is that statement? Look, everything is really dependent on the code base that you're in, what was set up before you came there, what the system is like working at your place. I have just I've had a lot of jobs. And I say that so warily because, you know, they all came with different code bases that I had to figure out why I liked them or why I didn't. And Mm -hmm. the ones that I found that were the mentality of very dry, very we have one file, and that is where we make the changes, it almost always resulted in a lot of friction. Mm. You almost always had a use case that you needed to somehow, again... Do some nonsense to, to try it and work out. It's a really beautiful idea. I get, I get it. It is. <laughs> oh, isn't it? Isn't it just the like the
0: notion is so lovely? Isn't it just like
1: the most <laughs> lovely idea? Where you're like, yeah, this could, this could really work, right? It's amazing. In a lot of ways, we make a mistake of saying that this is a technical decision that we make. This that we want to do this for technical reasons. Uh You know, mm-hmm. we make up a lot of things about testing or, you know, just sure. to files and stuff like that. Do you know what it is, though? It's it's really a strategy to avoid communication. Oh, ultimately
0: fire right there. It is a
1: strategy to avoid communication. Mm.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> repeat it for those in the back
1: <laughs> Did you hear that people
0: <laughs> Oh man Woo cuz it hurts I mean it hurts but it's true
1: It's so true you're you're trying to avoid having conversations with people and what you end up doing is actually having worse conversations with people because you have to go to the yeah. people who last changed the file or yes. who need the special thing um if we built our system where it was more composable, where we didn't worry about this as much, the, having the one file with the one component that is our Swiss army knife or what have you, composition is, to be honest, like an easier way of also having communication with people about the flexibility mm. of systems and, you know, hey, you built this thing, I'm gonna borrow it. Cool, great. <laughs> like, it's just so much easier. Like you built this sidebar Cool, I'm gonna wrap it around this other component because I got a thing yeah. to build. Great, nice talking to you. As opposed to ooh, so that thing I hey, need. Buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy, <laughs> and that person being like, "No, I built it this way, so we're not gonna touch it."
0: Yeah, I can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. It's so interesting. Like, I mean, it. It's so. I don't even. I. I don't even have the words. Um. <laughs> the way you put it is so like brilliant, like a strategy for avoiding communication. And I think it is so true. And even if, even if, you know, you don't design it with that intent, I have felt that way. And it feels like, oh no, no, this is done. Yeah, and this which is Which totally betrays the notion. Yes, right? Mm-hmm. And it betrays that notion of like, oh, well, we can update it here and then like update it or fix it here and update it everywhere. And I think that that is, like it's an, it's such a fascinating betrayal because the the reality never matches up with the the sales pitch, <laughs> and that is something that's like super frustrating for me because I, I think like you said the, the the notion is beautiful, but in reality it's almost a way of saying like okay well I'm gonna do this once and for all, and um, in fact we will never update it unless I feel like it's necessary.
1: Yeah, we're gonna do this once and for all. It is done with a capital D. We don't touch it. No. That's not how it works. And this is how you get also, uh, I swear that you can go into a code base and you can tell how bad the communication is in a company. You can absolutely yeah. just be like, wow, y'all don't talk to each other. I can tell this <laughs> because one of you built the done component for how we're going to do things. And another one of yep. you like, no, I really need it to be this way. So I'm going to sneak off. I'm going to build another one.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And then the new engineer comes into the company is like, which one do I use? I don't know. I know. I'll yes. build a third for my use case. And there's <laughs> there's this fine sort of line between like, we don't need to be dry. Um, and also, we don't need six components that do essentially the same thing. Like, there's probably a better way that if we all put our heads together and talked about how these actually need to work, that we could figure out a system that's going to work. Mm-hmm. We could talk to each other about it. We could relay the information to the rest of the team so they know, oh, now we actually have this thing yeah. and this thing and this thing. So if you want to do this, use this. And If you want to do that, use that.
0: I really like this notion of uh, of that being a symptom of bad communication and solving it with communication. Like not solving, you, there's, you haven't offered a technical solution. You're no. saying like, no, well, actually, it's a sign that you need to just communicate better and have better <laughs> strategies for, you know, talking to the other humans that you work with.
1: It's a strange <laughs> idea. I know. I did, though. I worked in, in some code bases where that had happened so many times, and I could really tell that the teams were not communicating with each other. Mm. And that there were multiple engineers that wanted to own large parts of the system and weren't comfortable yeah. with other people having input into those systems. And I like, it is a thing that happens very commonly where you're just like, this is my baby. You don't touch.
0: Yeah. And like in that way, like the component boundary kind of becomes like a, like a castle or like a moat almost where it's like, oh no, only like we're allowed in here. Sorry. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you, you, you can't be in here. Yeah, so it's it's funny. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, you go. Well, I was I was going to take it into it. I, <laughs> I love to fit this quote in anytime I can. And you just like had the perfect setup for it. Oh, you're welcome. Um, you talked about <laughs> you talked about dry resulting in friction. And um, <laughs> one of my favorite things that Sandy Metz uh says in some of her talks is she says that like, you know, when they look when they do pairing with companies and like investigate the code, they'll say like this code is so dry that it chafes. <laughs> and I think it's such an interesting and anne- like because you never hear about dry in a bad light, but like as you mentioned, like friction and like cha- like these are not pleasant things. Mm-mm. And so it it is interesting, I think, to you know when you talk about composition, you talk about all of the good things in communication that you would get by avoiding it. um You know to think about it as like just kind of like dry, itchy, like friction
1: it is like my one of i'll well, just say one of i have a lot of pet peeves in engineering to be honest with you i have a lot of strongly <laughs> held opinions that i will what is it like weak what is the thing that was like <laughs> oh strong opinions uh, weakly held
0: yes yes yeah, yeah, i have yeah, a lot yeah, of those yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you can change my mind on some of them But one of the ones that's actually kind of strongly held is this notion of dry and how much I hate it. And, like, when someone says it to me, my whole body just, like, locks down and is just like, no.
0: (laughs) No, let's not.
1: Because I was told it when I was, like, a young engineer, like, oh, you need to dry this thing up. And when you listen to that and you just kind of do it, like, mindlessly... You're not really considering all the factors involved. And some of the time, like, I was in the middle of refactoring something. Like, that's not the time to dry something up is when you're in the middle of a refactor. Absolutely not. I always liken it to, like, you're reorganizing your closet. And so you pull all the things out of the closet first. And then you organize the closet. (laughs) <laughs> but you don't do it like piecemeal because you're just going to reorganize your closet at some point. Like you you will find a shoebox of things in the back and you're like, no, I don't have a place for this. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what it's like. This, this over-reliance on dry. And I think it serves other technologies maybe better. But when you're talking about front end and, and UI, I just don't think it serves us very well. Our designs, yeah. like ultimately our designs are not dry. Our designers are not yeah. designing like with dryness in mind. They're designing with the user in mind. Yep. And that just like isn't a very dry scenario. Things need to change for different scenarios and you need to be more flexible in a lot of ways. But flexible UI is like, ah, oh, mm, chef's guess.
0: <laughs> no, it is true. And I think that that illuminates the level of thinking that I love to see in developers and engineers is that kind of like holistic mindset. Um, of thinking, like thinking about the user, thinking about the design, and I think because I think if you spend any amount of time, you know, really understanding like a design and how like certain designs are adaptable and how they necessarily need to change for different layouts and scenarios, um, you start to think about your code differently and be like, oh, I was abstracting around the wrong concept, right? Like these things are the things that like are the, you know, are the pieces that are actually like reusable. I, I know we're kind of headed towards the end of our time, and I wanted to ask you, uh, like, as we come to a close, I want to talk about the actual emotional work of coding, because, okay. you know, in this uh, <laughs> in this as Fiction talk, you end with the idea of the pain of revision, and... <laughs> I think that we feel that very strongly, like, you know, when people like attack, like, you know, attack or, or it feels like they're attacking our code or we have to revisit it and make it do something else or the design changes. We feel that pain. Um, and so I'd love to hear more about kind of like what that means to you and your, your strategies for combating that.
1: So the reason I said, oh, good, is because uh, in early November, I am giving a talk at JSConf Mexico online. Um, called Your Emotions Are Not an Anti-Pattern, which is funny because I talked about anti-patterns <laughs> earlier.
0: Nice. Amazing.
1: And it literally <laughs> is, one, just like, you have emotions, you're a human, this stupid thing where you're trying to be logical over emotions is dumb, and also there's no scientific proof for it. So, ha. Uh, <laughs> but that's a one-line synopsis too long, don't read. But the second <laughs> half is a uh, uh, building up of an emotional aid like toolkit that I have developed, like a first aid kit. Oh, cool. For like dealing with emotions because they actually come up in our job in like every single like respect. Um, When I was a younger engineer... I was really pushed into this line of thinking that my feelings just didn't matter. It was the code that Hmm. mattered. And if I could stop being an emotional human being, which is a stupid idea.
0: um, (laughs) Robot. You got to get to robot.
1: You got to be a robot. Yeah. Uh, That I would be a better engineer. That my ideas would get taken more seriously. Um, You know, I just really thought I would write better code. And then I just emotionally like plummeted. Like just Mm. couldn't handle my emotions anymore because I stopped feeling them. So my 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 first like word of advice on any of this is like you're going to have to admit that you're a human and that you have emotions and you're going to have to actually feel them. Hmm. It is very uncomfortable. I know this, but you're going to have to get used to it, because if you cannot feel when they're happening in your body and you don't recognize that you are just an emotional being You do a lot of things that are kind of terrible to other people. Yeah. Accidentally. You don't mean to. You're not a bad person, but you've stopped realizing that you feel certain things. So you stop realizing that you feel a certain way about the code that you wrote. Like, it took me a long time to be like, oh, I'm very protective of this code and I don't want you touching it. You that's The the first step is admitting it, knowing when it's happening, and then... Taking some time to like, you know what? You can go feel it. It's okay. It's not going to harm anyone if you go like right now. Also, we're all working from home. Log off for a few minutes. Take a breath. Be like, yeah, I feel shitty. I feel shitty when someone changes my code. I feel shitty because maybe it meant that I did the wrong thing. Okay. But also the chances that you're going to do the 100% right thing. You're going to build the right component for all situations is ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> if we really and wanted to for all
0: time to. too. <laughs> Let's not forget and for all time. I mean, <laughs> For
1: all time. Because if we really wanted to, our whole entire application could be one component and we just pass down props. <laughs> but we don't do that. And we don't do that for a reason. It's really difficult. It doesn't make sense. We're supposed to be breaking things apart and having composition and Yeah, things need to change, and it's not really a value statement on you as an engineer. It's really not. Like, the thing that you need to figure out is like, well, what could I take from that into the next thing? Or what worked well that I'm going to do again? Think of it like a feedback loop that is happening, and like, Mm. what can you incorporate? Like, the next time, feel bad if you need to feel bad. It's totally cool. You're fine. I've had days where I didn't feel good about somebody making a PR comment, and I was like, they're wrong but they were right. So, you know, it's cool. I think also just like really, really recognize that like what we do is very artistic, very creative. You are literally putting yourself into it. No one goes into this job, builds a component and is like, I shouldn't say no one. Some people go in, build their component, leave and don't think about it. And I wish I was one of those people. That sounds really, really, really nice.
0: Sounds great. Oh, it sounds, sounds, sounds so good. right? Yeah, 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 Not having your identity attached to, like, you yeah. know, if you ask a character. <laughs> a <full> request.
1: <laughs> the fact that we have our identities, like, attached to these things is, like, kind of silly. But, like, <laughs> you really are, like, building something. You're building it with, like, your best, like, intentions and knowledge and things like that. And so it's just really hard not to feel that way. And so a lot of us go into our jobs, build the component. And, like, the next day we're like, my baby component. My baby component. <laughs> you know, we love it. So, just, time
0: to present my baby to the world yeah, and then
1: you get this horrible <laughs> PR comment and you slide into a depression. Um, but the the more that you can like work through that emotionally and realize it's happening and deal with it and find different emotional like cues in your body of it's happening and how to yeah. deal with it, the better you're going to be. You're going to be able to be like a more flexible engineer. And maybe you'll get even better at communicating with people, which is like a big <laughs> deal. You know, yeah.
0: that is Incredible advice. And so, um, I don't know. I don't want to call it simple because it's not simple, right? Oh, but it's, it's, really it's, so, yeah, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. But it really does kind of cut to the core of like, hey, you're a human and it's okay that you're sad that nobody likes your code. It's okay.
1: <laughs> it's okay. When someone says like, this wasn't well built, it's okay. That's all right. You can feel bad. I give you permission. <laughs> I give you permission to feel bad.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay, I'm I'm definitely taking that into the rest of this week uh, for myself. So thank you for encouraging me to feel my feelings this week. Feel it, feel it all. I...
1: <laughs> we're in a we're in a wild time too to be feeling your feelings.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that's a deep well of uh, feelings <laughs> right there right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how can people find you online um, and find that talk that you're about to give? Because I I have a feeling that's going to be another banger. <laughs>
1: Uh, so if you are attending JSConf, uh, Mexico on November 2nd, 3rd and 4th, uh, I'll be speaking on the 2nd, so you can watch it then. It will definitely be online later. Um, and then I will also post it and the slides when available, uh, to my Twitter account. And that is where you can mostly find me online. Um, I don't tweet like every day, but I'm on there. I'm a lurker for sure. Um, and so my <laughs> handle is girl code girl with a U.
0: Awesome, awesome. I think I don't know if we'll get this out beforehand, but we'll definitely share the fact that you are talking um, with people, and then hopefully by the time it goes live, no matter what, we'll be able to link to that video um, and and let people know about it. Jen, thanks so much for being here. This was a blast for me. I appreciate.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All of your time. This is great.
1: I'm like I had so much
0: fun. <laughs> we'll have to have you on again sometime, and we can talk more about feelings.
1: Yes, all the feelings. <laughs> All of them.
0: (laughs) Thanks. We'll see you again soon. Bye. This has been episode 118 of React Podcast with Chantastic and guest Jen Creighton. A transcript for this episode has been sponsored by me and will be available soon. If you'd like to support the show by ordering a transcript and have your name read into an episode of React Podcast, send me a DM on Twitter at Chantastic or at React Podcast. You can find transcripts, links, and show notes at reactpodcast.com slash 118. Thanks to our sponsors who make this show possible, AWS Amplify and Infinite Red. AWS Amplify is the fastest, easiest way to develop web and mobile apps that scale. Learn how to get your React app into the AWS cloud with hosting, authentication, storage, managed GraphQL or REST API, serverless functions, and so much more. Check out awsamplify.info slash react. Infinite Red is your friendly expert resource for React and React Native. They've been working with developers and entrepreneurs like you to design, build, and ship quality apps, and they've been doing it for over 10 years. Infinite Red will give you $750 when you start or refer a new project. Get expert React and React Native help at reactpodcast.infinite.red. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast-track your career. I'm your friend Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week.